The History of Literature podcast is a member of the Podglomerate Network and Lit Hub Radio. Hello. A Hollywood movie star digs into her past and uncovers a dark secret. And a successful artist turns from her career as an actor, a singer, a songwriter, and an author to a new creative form that combines all her talents. We'll have both of those stories, which is actually the same story, today on The History of Literature. Hello, welcome to the podcast. I'm Jack Wilson, and today is a special edition of the History of Literature. Jessica Harper is here. Jessica Harper. You know, one of the wonderful things about doing this podcast is that I've been approached by a lot of different people with ideas for guests, or sometimes from the guests or potential guests themselves, writers, professors, historians, other creative types. They reach out and ask if they or their clients or their friends can come on the show, if I'd be interested in a conversation. And unfortunately, I have to turn many of these people down. Maybe I've already done that subject. Maybe I'm not a fan of their particular work. I have my listeners to consider and literature itself, if that's not too grand for me to say. It's the history of literature, after all. Not everything fits. Contemporary authors, sometimes nothing against them, of course, but sometimes they aren't exactly right for the show, or at least I can't see how I, as the host, can make it work. And I only have one slot a week, 50 shows a year or so, if I take a vacation. (laughs) Can I take two weeks of vacation? I can't do everything. So some of these guests are difficult for me to figure out how to fit into the confines of the show. And I'll confess that this is one that I had to think about. Jessica Harper, you might not know the name. If you've been around for a while watching movies, you may know, and you would probably know the face, and you would definitely know the project. She was in the Broadway version of Hair. She was in Pennies from Heaven with Steve Martin. You remember that one? She was in Stardust Memories. She's been in a lot of well-known projects with a lot of well-known people. So I started to form this idea in my head. Okay, she's an actor, a star, a real star, but what's the connection to literature here? And then I... Oh, excuse me. I believe there's somebody at the door. Ah. Oh, yes. Hello, I'm Elizabeth Bennett. Lizzie. Star of the novel Pride and Prejudice. Ah, Here Lizzie. to deliver a morsel of news. Mr. Darcy and I are expecting... Oh, Lizzie! Huzzah to us. However, <laughs> it is a truth universally acknowledged that a young couple in possession of an infant must be in want of some sleep. Fortunately, our impoverished neighbor, Mr. Jack Wilson, has offered to babysit our beloved little one, so Darcy and I can catch some Zeds. Won't you please support the cause of love, literature, and new life? We shall be eternally grateful for your good sense and your good sensibility. Ah, yes, that makes me so happy. Lizzie Bennett! I knew you were going to come today. I just had a feeling. A star, a literary star. You heard me using the word. Is there anyone, any literary character more beloved than Elizabeth Bennett, star of the novel Pride and Prejudice, as she puts it? Maybe Atticus Finch? I'm not sure. I think we'll give Lizzie the crown today. Well, Lizzie, 
you heard we were going to have someone with that magical star quality on today, and you wanted to remind us of our old friend Elizabeth Bennett, the star of her novel and of how to help support the show, which you listeners can do in a couple of ways. You can head on over to patreon.com slash literature and sign up for a small monthly contribution, just one of those little items that will ping your credit card or PayPal account once a month. You might not even notice it, but I will, and the show will. Or if that's not your thing, we've set up a virtual coffee system over at historyofliterature.com slash shop. There you can give a one-time donation in a $5 increment. Some people give me one, some give me two coffees, some have given me 50 or more. It's okay. I can drink a lot of virtual coffee. My thanks this week go to new patrons John S., Scott W., Steve D., Christian T., and Maria Toriano, whose loving fiancé donated... Sorry. Oh! Right in the middle of the most beautiful tribute. And I bungled it. Let me do that over. My thanks also go to Maria Toriano, whose loving fiancé donated to the show on her behalf at her request... For an anniversary gift. What a wonderful treat for me here at the History of Literature podcast. If you have a wedding story or a relationship story, if our show has done anything to put two people together, please do pass it along. I never get tired of hearing those. Where was I? Yes, the story of the star, an opportunity to interview a star for yours truly, Jack Wilson, but... For the History of Literature podcast, hmm, let's take a quick break and come back with my thoughts on Jessica Harper and the world of literature. Hey, grown-ups! The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishbowl podcast studio from the cat in the hat himself. And it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast. And those plans are the opposite of quiet. The cat may be disruptive, but it turns out he's also a great help to get fish out of all kinds of predicaments. Bursting with music, silliness, and rhymes... The Cat in the Hat cast encourages us all to find fun that is funny in every episode. Sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic tongue twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app, or Wondery Kids Plus, in Apple Podcasts. So, there I am, working on my precious show, and the email comes in. Jessica Harper has a podcast out called Winnetka, which tells the story of her childhood in Winnetka, Illinois, a place I know a bit. I went to school in Chicago and grew up a couple of hours away, just across the border in Wisconsin. I have some friends in Winnetka. I know that world. You know it too, or at least the Hollywood version of it. Winnetka is the suburb in Home Alone and Breakfast Club and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. All those beautiful homes that we all wished we grew up in when we weren't wishing we had a Manhattan apartment or an L.A. beach house. 
And I think, okay, that sounds interesting. I mean, this is an incredible career that Ms. Harper has had. She's been in some fascinating projects. Hair was revolutionary. Stardust Memories was Woody Allen channeling his inner Fellini. Woody Allen in 1980? Come on. Is there a more creative period than that? She worked with Brian De Palma. Steve Martin, Gary Shandling, all these icons of the 70s and 80s. But she herself had a kind of Renaissance spirit, a boundlessness to her own career. She wasn't just an actor, a Broadway star. She wrote cookbooks. She wrote songs for herself and Bette Midler. Bette Midler. (laughs) What a career. And now, somehow, she wound up putting together a 10-episode podcast telling the story of her childhood. It included her songs. It included interviews with her family. It it included her own writing. A pretty interesting project. And I get this idea. I could talk to her about creativity, a life in the arts, a life working with people who are breaking down barriers, who are funneling their creativity into these new projects in her own broad and eclectic creative tastes. And now I could ask... Why did she choose to tell this story, and why did she choose the podcast form? All very interesting, so I'm getting excited now. This will be a a good hook. I never know for sure if the show will be any good in advance. I'm talking about my show now, History of Literature. I never know if it's going to be any good, but I always know when I have enthusiasm for the idea, when I can see my way toward what the episode will be like. I know I can summon forth the energy that it will take, to put it all together. And then I listened to Winnetka, and all my thoughts changed. I was blown away. It was funny, dramatic, compelling, and wise, and I was engaged as a listener. It wasn't what I was expecting. I think I was expecting a, an ode to simpler times and smaller worlds And growing up in the Eisenhower 50s, it was that in a way. But it's also a story about the darkness underneath those times. The darkness that reaches up and grips a family and shakes it. And how a family struggles with that darkness and survives it. I'll get into all that with Jessica. You'll hear me gush a little bit. And it's not because I was starstruck, although I I was. (laughs) Ah, it's funny. I can talk to famous writers and famous professors, people with deep knowledge in their field, a lifetime devoted to their craft, and for me, it's like talking to the guy next door. Actually, it's easier for me than it is to talk to the guy next door. I've been around writers and professors my entire adult life. I share a lot of their interests. The guy next door, (laughs) super nice guy my guy next door, but we talk about lawns and fences and trees and construction projects and new roofs, and I am sort of bluffing my way through most of it, nodding thoughtfully and thinking, oh man, this is something I'm going to have to Google as soon as I get inside. (laughs) I'm off the track. I was telling you I was starstruck by Ms. Jessica Harper. Let me tell you how starstruck I was. I dialed the wrong number. I dialed, I dialed, uh, it's embarrassing. I dialed my son's number, my 14-year-old son. I didn't want to be early. I didn't want to be late. So at one minute after the appointed time, I dialed the number 
It rang and rang, and of course, it rang because <sighs> my phone had auto-completed for me, <laughs> and I was calling my son, who was upstairs in bed, asleep. And I even saw his name. His, his name popped up, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. Jessica Harper must have her phone registered in a, in a name of someone who has the same first name as my son. <laughs> so I was a little little out of my head. That's never happened before. A little starstruck. But it was not just because I was talking to a Hollywood star. It's because I was about to talk to the creator of this podcast, Winnetka. I loved it. I was completely hooked. I was drawn in. I wanted to know what would happen. I was filled with warmth and deep interest and anxiousness. I was learning. I was feeling. I was living as I listened to that podcast, and I knew I had my connection to literature. Listening to Winnetka felt like the experience I have in the hands of the best novelists as they take me on a journey where my own thoughts start firing away, I become a participant in the project too. The boundaries blur, and I'm in the world of the author, and the author is in the world of me. That's what reading is for me. That's what watching is for me of a good film. That's what listening is for me of something like this. It's what literature is for me. So, that's where we are. Winnetka, the podcast. And now... My conversation with its creator, Jessica Harper, after this. Okay, Jessica Harper has had the kind of life it would take 10 memoirs to capture. Born in 1949, she went from a childhood in Illinois to a career as a Broadway singer, a Hollywood actor and movie star, a songwriter and author of children's books and cookbooks, and now a podcaster. Along the way, she's worked with everyone from Woody Allen to Steve Martin to Bette Midler to Peter O'Toole to Brian De Palma to basically a who's who, Gary Shandling, a who's who of everyone I admired when growing up in the 70s and 80s and beyond. And somehow, she also found time to raise two daughters and was named Parent of the Month by Parenting Magazine in 2004, which might be the most impressive of all. I've been a parent for 14 years and I'm still waiting to win Parent of the Month in my house. <laughs> She's here today to talk about her new podcast, her life in the arts, and her new podcast, Winnetka, in which she tells the story of her childhood and some dark family secrets in 10 episodes. Jessica Harper, welcome to the History of Literature podcast. Oh, hi, Jack. Thanks so much for having me. So I want to tell you how much I'm enjoying the podcast. It's a beautiful production, and you have a beautiful prose style and a beautiful voice. And I believe those songs that are in there are songs that you composed and recorded. Is that right? They are. Uh, there's some traditional music in there, but many original songs. And I, yes, I composed and arranged and sang them, actually. Yeah, I found that they really fit. I mean, they they seem like children's songs, but and they're upbeat and and cheery in a way. But they're also about home and family and and comfort. They just seem to fit thematically. Were they songs you had written before, or did you write them for the podcast? I wrote them before. I had an archive full of songs. I've been a songwriter for years, and I just felt this is such a personal story. I sort of felt that my own music might just 
really suit it because it would sort of be a good fit against the the voice of the narrative. Yeah, it really is. And I I can tell you one of my favorite things to do in putting together this podcast is selecting the music. You know, I enjoy that process of feeling like I'm putting the right spin on something or or giving it the right music. I can't imagine what it would be like for you to be able to choose from your own songs. It must be very rewarding to know that you are, you know, including another side of yourself and sort of commenting on what's come before and what's about to come. Oh, yes. Now, I love the process of scoring this uh, podcast in a way, putting the right, the, the songs that I felt were right in the right place and figuring out that side of the puzzle of creating this thing. That was really rewarding. And just to be able to dig into music that I created over the past, you know, several years and to pull it out and apply it to this particular project, just um, as I said, made so much sense, but also just was really fun and very, really gratifying. Yeah. Well, it, the effect on the listener, uh, I could tell you, I've listened to a few episodes. I didn't want to listen to all of them because I, I started to worry that I, I would uh, commit some spoilers. And I know that that's... <laughs> I was say, you might spill a secret. <laughs> that's right. And, and the way the podcast is set up, it's very dramatic. Your, your family had a revelation, and the revelation itself was dramatic, but it also came to you dramatically. And so I don't even want to, uh, you know, do too much uh, speculation about it or anything. And I, I didn't want to know because I, it does, I want the listener to have the same experience that I have or that I'm mm-hmm. having as I'm listening to it, which is as it's unraveling, I'm just, I'm completely hooked. I can't wait to hear from episode to episode. I love that. I love hearing people are hooked. That's exactly the aim. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and your podcast has a secret ingredient, I think, which is your interviews with your mother, who oh my god, just an incredible yeah. person. She didn't know what a podcast was, but she right. really stepped up to the plate. Oh, she was incredible. I sadly she she passed away. Oh, and uh, yeah, before the before this came out, but she was. I interviewed her, uh, she died in 16, but um, I interviewed her for a full year before that. I just visited her constantly. Mm. And, and she was 96? She was inter- 96, and oh. she, listeners will, as listeners will hear, she, she, she has all her marbles. She's got yep. a magnificent brain. She's really smart and really funny and, um, just, and really articulate. She just, she's just really a great personality in this podcast. And also, I just feel, of course, so grateful to have captured her voice because we all in my family adored her so much and we still have that um (laughs) we can play this podcast over and over again and hear her again yeah wonderful well it is it it does seem like we're all lucky to have her voice and her perspective she really she was so wise and funny and to just have someone uh from that generation you know describing it is is really fantastic. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so let's let's circle back to the podcast toward the end, but I want to ask you a few questions about your career because it's just this incredible career. I don't know if it feels that way to you or felt that way to you at the time, but it just seems like you went from one groundbreaking project or one fantastic opportunity to another. You were working with some really creative people, but right at the height of their creativity or when they were at their most innovative. Is that, were you choosing projects that way or did that just kind of happen? It was, you know, it's uh, so much to do with luck. I feel like I've been an incredibly lucky person to have, for example, to have been able to work with, um, you know, with Woody Allen at that time and Dario Argento and Brian De Palma 
and and these all these wonderful actors. I just I just can't even believe this even happened. And I don't, you know, I feel as though I've been very, very busy over the years. I listened to your, when you were reading my list of credits, I went, wow, I don't remember being mother of the year in 2004. I'm very proud of that credential. So, um, yeah, I, I do. I, I always have been kept myself very busy. I have a very strong, uh, creative drive as many people do. And I just have to keep, feeding it. And, and I also really like to try new things constantly. Yeah. Like I, you know, I, I put together a, a cookbook slash memoir about uh, some years ago called the Krabby Cook cookbook. Yeah. And, and I, and I loved doing that project, but after it was over, I never wanted to do another cookbook again. I wanted to do something entirely different. So one of the things that really jumped out at me is you, you seem to have so many different creative outlets that you've explored and succeeded with. I mean, you you didn't just dabble in songwriting. You wrote a song that Bette Midler recorded, and you you didn't just act and sing. You were on Broadway, and you were a movie star. And it just seems like <laughs> I know your mother was creative. Is is yeah. that where your creative energies? Is that what you trace it back to? Well, my both my parents were very encouraging um, to all mm-hmm. of us um, mm-hmm. uh, to be in the arts. They, you know, they used to take us into Chicago to go to the Modern Dance and you know see Merce Cunningham and go to the Art Institute and all that mm. stuff. So they, it was clearly um, something our family really embraced and encouraged. So, uh, in fact, there a lot of us in the family are in the arts. My brother's a screenwriter. My sister's a painter. You know, and. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, my my one brother who still lives in Chicago is a music teacher. So we we yeah we were very much encouraged. So I always felt like that was a really good um, respectable route. And also it just really ignited my passion. I, I was a modern dancer first, and then I became a painter, and then finally I landed in the theater. <laughs> um, I, I missed I the painting of... part. I didn't even see that in your biography. <laughs> we don't talk about my modern dance phase too much. <laughs> and your mother had, uh, she had been in class with Marlon Brando. Yes, she was, um, she was uh, a, a friend of her, as, it's, as I say in the podcast, or as she says, a friend of her family was so impressed with her acting skill that she bought her a full, uh, uh, got her, gave her a full scholarship to the new school in New York, which is where Marlon Brando was studying. And my mother was in a class with him. Yes, and she was in a play with him, and he kissed her hand. And <laughs> I don't think she washed her hand for 65 years. <laughs> so, that, yeah, that was kind of a great story. Yeah. Um, she, and then and she, she went on to other things, but then yeah. in the end, it, late in her life, she also wrote three volumes of memoir. So she, she never, also never stopped being creative throughout her life. Yeah. Was it hair that, was that what sort of, took you from the world of, I guess, amateur arts to the world of professional? Yes, it was. And it was my mother who suggested I audition for it. Actually, she, she read about it in the New York times that there were, they were holding open auditions for the Broadway cast of hair, which had been running for a year and they were kind of freshening up the cast. So I went downtown to this crazy audition. There were 500 hippies lined up around the block around this church where they were, seeing people. And uh, I went in and I sang Heartbreak Hotel, naturally. Hmm. And um, 
And then they called me and said, yes, you can be in the show, <laughs> which to me was uh, the first of many miracles in my life. So yeah. it's, it's, it was really fantastic. So I was on Broadway for a year. My first job, my first audition, my first New York experience, my first everything. And wow. It was pretty, pretty wild, yeah. And it just went from there. And it well after that I yes I did some off Broadway shows I worked with a wonderful director called Richard Foreman, doing some avant garde theater down in the Mercer Arts Center and and in various places I did these off Broadway shows one of which ended up being very successful it was one of those things that you know catches New York's imagination and you get a great review and then everybody in the city came to see it including reps for Woody Allen and Brian De Palma and all these people who figured very powerfully in my life later mm. saw this show. So that was that was a real catalyst. Um, after that, I got, uh, because of that, I got, uh, I auditioned for the movie Phantom of the Paradise, the Brian De Palma film, mm. which is a rock musical based on Phantom of the Opera, and uh, which has become kind of a great cult movie. Yes, I've heard of um, it. Yeah, but... Um, not, at the time, not a lot of people saw it, but it's it's really got an incredible following now. Well, not you, as big as Suspiria's, but <laughs> pretty big. You had kind of a niche in that rock musical. Weren't you also in the sequel to the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Yes, I was in Shock Treatment. Yeah. Um, which um, also didn't do very well, but I think has a has a respectable following now. Well, that was kind of what I was getting at earlier when I said you were around these creativity creative people when they were taking real risks. I mean, mm -hmm. the Steve Martin movie you were in, Pennies from Heaven, was was a real departure for him at the time. Yeah. And you were in It's Gary Shandling's show, which was kind of his earlier, really groundbreaking television show. Yeah. That Did you see these people as people who were taking risks like that? Did it just feel normal or did it feel like you were around people who were going out on a limb? I always was drawn to projects like that, projects yeah. that um, just weren't like anything else you'd seen. And those were the projects always that most excited me. And as I say, in this experience in the theater as well, doing these avant-garde plays that sort of blew people's minds, I loved doing that. Um, <laughs> and, and, and challenging myself in a way, too, doing something that's just personally groundbreaking, as is this podcast. I mean, I never thought... First of all, I, I don't think I've seen in the podcast landscape a thing that is a memoir, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, and like this. I don't think I've seen anything like it. And I thought, wow, that would be a challenge, and nobody would ever have seen anything like it. And I just really wanted to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I had no idea how one went about, you know, making a podcast. But I, I did some homework and figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> so, All but right, anyway, so. yes, I've always been to, drawn to challenges and to projects in which a director uh, was challenging him or herself as well. Did you feel like, I know you've had your own projects, you know, with the cookbooks and the songwriting, but I'm wondering if the, if the podcast felt for you different in the sense of, uh, although you were collaborating a bit with some people, but it was really, it seems like it was really your own creative vision and unlike a movie where you might be working with 20 other people it was you 100 percent your idea and your yes. um responsibility and and you got yes. to sort of play all the parts 
Yeah, that's the, that's the fun part about doing a project like this or writing a book, of course, is that you have complete control and it's all, it's all you know, it's all up to you. It's also a lot of, yes, as you say, a lot of responsibility. But yes, I did everything. Um, you know, my family um, were very generous about granting me all these interviews, particularly my mother. So they were big contributors uh, to it. But um, I mean, I had to do all the, you know, the editing and the writing and the production and everything else. So it was, um, and it was the greatest experience I think I've ever had. It was I was really going to ask fun. that. It did. It was fantastic. I loved every minute of it. It took me three years to create this show. Wow. And I loved it. Loved it. I love it now. And um, and I'm just really proud of it. So can I tell you, maybe this is the way to introduce it to the listeners. Can I tell you what my what was sort of going through my head as I was listening to the first uh, episode or two? Oh, yes, please do. Okay. So I started out and I was thinking, okay, well... You know, there's always this sort of hurdle for people who are writing memoirs because you think, well, okay, is this a memoir that is personal and is it is it basically someone else's home movies or is it one that I can engage in? And I knew you had this fantastic career. And so I thought, okay, well, this will be interesting. Maybe it's an artistic childhood. And then I learned more about your family and thought, okay, well, this is this is a very interesting family. And you are a very interesting person, but what was really pulling me and then and then you described the secret that you had, mm. and I thought, okay, well that's that's an interesting hook too, that there was a secret that's revealed in such a dramatic way, and it's it's been teased or promised at this point, but I haven't yet heard what the what's inside mm -hmm. the folder, but yeah, what really drew me in was when I realized that it was also taking a look at a real slice of America and that uh -huh. it was really about uh, this generation of people. And I knew yeah. I had a, uh, my father's uncle was of that generation where uh -huh. he had gone to world war two and he was in uh, military intelligence. Yeah. And he had seen, he had been one of the first people to go into the concentration camps, one of the first Americans. Mm. And he had all these photos that he had taken. And then he came back to this little town in Wisconsin mm -hmm. and nobody ever talked about the war. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. My and father had, uh, yeah. He just, like your father, he just jumped right back in and got mm -hmm. a job and, mm -hmm. you know, played golf and, and played bridge. Yeah. So my sister and I are like on the other side of Vietnam. And I mean, for yeah. all the problems with Vietnam, at least it sort of opened the door to the pain of coming back from war. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. And the thing that was, as you say, yes, it was not spoken of yeah. um, after World War II. It just and, uh, wasn't. And, and, yeah. So here's this generation. They're, you know, the greatest generation. They won mm -hmm. the war. They're heroes. They came home and all of that pain and all of that, uh, you know, so my, my father's uncle used to take my sister and me and we'd be over there, you know, on Christmas or something and everyone, all the adults would be talking and, and chatting away and opening presents. And he would have my sister and me on the couch making mm -hmm. us look at these photos and he oh. would be, you know, telling us like, you wouldn't believe what those bastards did and, and just oh. look at this, just look at this, just look at what they did. 
And wow. we, you know, we were a little bit scared, a little bit shocked. And we were looking mm. around and the adults were just, oh, yeah, he was in the war. He's got a lot of stories. Mm. But nobody yeah. was. Nobody engaged. There just wasn't a kind of outlet. And mm. just yeah. seeing the way that all of that, you know, it, it came out as anger or gruffness. But it was really just mm -hmm. this pain. And so. When I sort of started to hear that that was one of the things you were going to explore, it yeah. it really made me think about there there was this darkness and this pain from those years mm -hmm. that is uh, seeing the way that this is going to play out with your family, I think will be just a fascinating mm -hmm. journey to be on. Right. Well, it was, you know, and I do, t part of my aim in this podcast is not is to is to capture, as you say, to capture it. It's capturing a time and place, really, and a generation. Um, well, two generations, uh, but um, my father's generation. Um, and as you say, they they you know they came back from war, and as my mother so eloquently says in the podcast, they you know they weren't allowed to whine about mm. anything that, that that would tarnish the shine of their accomplishment, which was you know, having won the war, and they just had to jump right back into it. My father never spoke about it until he was in his 80s. Mm. And then he got together with, uh, he, he somehow he assembled a bunch of veterans, um, and, you know, from that generation, and they talked for hours. They, mm. oh, they just let it all out. Yeah. And but it wasn't until then and and so as as I speak about in the podcast he had this you know this crazy anger this what my mother called PTSD that impacted our family profoundly and our relationship with him throughout uh our lives. So, yeah. you know, it was really damaging and really just a shame and I know that happened uh you know in a lot of families that same kind of dynamic. So yeah, there is a, that is a is a big thread going through the whole show. Yeah, and the position yeah. that your mother would be in, I haven't gotten to a part. I'm sure you you talk about this at some point, but the position that she would be in to know mm -hmm. that you know he has gone through this and he's a hero, and no matter what she sees or may want to do, it it puts her in this in this bind of how do you contain a kind of anger that you know is probably comes from a very real place and and is from trauma. Yeah. And it wasn't like people were rushing off to psychiatrists back then either. It was all you just had to shove it all down. Yeah. And she had to manage that and then she also had to try to protect her children from his anger. And she wasn't very good at that because she was intimidated by him as well. So there was a, it just really, it just really impacted our family overall. Yeah. And yet I should tell people that uh, it's also, uh, the the podcast is, is very, there's also moments that are very lighthearted and it, it also captures a lot of the fun and the spirit of those years. Yeah. And especially with your mother, mm -hmm. what do you think drew her to your father when they first met? I guess it was in Colorado. Well, it's a good question. I don't think I ever asked her that. I probably should have. I mean, not that he he has one. He, you know, he had wonderful qualities. My father. He was yeah. really smart. He had a really odd and actually very good sense of humor. And uh, they had a lot of common ground, and they had common values, basically. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, uh, and they just 
you know, she fell in love with him. I mean, and he was also handsome. Yeah. Um, uh, and I could, <laughs> I can totally see, you know, it's not like he was, a, uh, uh, he, it was not like he was so obviously um, a bad choice. And, uh, yeah. you know, in many ways he was a wonderful choice. And there was just this side of him that was very, very difficult and that, uh, you know, but they lived, they had a marriage that worked for them for 67 years. Wow. Um, and he had a successful career. He was a very successful sort of a madman yeah. uh, era yep. advertising man in Chicago. That's right. He was. And he oversaw the invention of Ronald McDonald and all these kind of iconic <laughs> uh, things like that in the advertising world. He he was he, he did really, really well, ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also, as you say, there there is, I want to reassure everybody, there is also, some, <laughs> there are a few laughs in this thing. I mean, there's a lot of humor in a family, as everybody knows, in addition to um, sometimes some difficult uh, situations. But uh, so I try to capture all that as well. So it's not. And also, in addition to capturing the the world of the greatest generation, I, I try to do, uh, you'll see in future episodes, there's quite a bit about um, our baby boomer generation as yeah. well, and what yeah. they had to deal with, both in terms of the war and then all the fun stuff like the sex, drugs, rock and roll. And yeah. how all that impacted our generation. I, I don't know if you get into this, but the impact that that must have had on your father and, and the World War II veterans as well to to basically see uh, these kids who they were then working, you know, they had fought for kids, basically, and, and for youth and for America and and mm-hmm. then they were working to provide that kind of a world. And these were the Eisenhower years and kind of the you were in a, a a suburb that has become famous as the Home Alone suburb or the Ferris Bueller's mm-hmm. Day Off suburb. And I mean, it's mm-hmm. very uh, on the outside. It's it's this idyllic American childhood. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, for the people like your father or my father's uncle to watch the kids with with hula hoops and howdy doody and and then the Beatles and the long hair and it must have just felt like this isn't real. Yeah. You're living in a cotton candy version of the world and and we know what reality is really like and it must have made for a real conflict between the generations. Yes. Uh well and particularly um well yes and that that uh, that suburb in particular is so beautiful and lovely and la di da. And then, but below the surface, of course, there's some pretty gnarly stuff going on, as there is in almost anywhere. Um, but also, as the, the big conflict that arose later when we all, we meaning my generation, sort of embraced the 60s and we dropped out of college and we took drugs and we did all that stuff that was required in the, <laughs> of us in, in our generation. And my father was just, he, as you say, they, they had, and they had set it up so that we, they had tried to set it up for us to be successful and to, to do what they had done and get our education and do the right thing. And we were just throwing it all away because, of course, our generation was in a spin about, about morality vis-a-vis the war. Like, mm. why were we in this war? What, and, and just caught up in, in this whirlwind of the cultural revolution that suggested that all of that was all of what our parents uh, generation had embraced was just not worth anything mm-hmm. and that we should really look elsewhere 
And that left us with a big blank slate, which was very hard to fill. We didn't really know what to do with all our choices then. So a lot of, I find a lot of the people in that generation, the baby boomer generation, kind of were damaged or fell by the wayside because they didn't want to do what their parents did, but it was very hard, to, too hard maybe, to figure out what to do instead and mm. what, what your values should be. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a really complicated situation, that transition from their generation to ours and as we grew up. Yeah. And um, took over the world. <laughs> So I know I've probably talked too much for an interview, but there's something else I wanted to say about the podcast and as I'm listening to it. So early on, you tell the story about your father taking you and your siblings out into Lake Michigan, and he would play this game where he holds the children underwater before bringing you back up for air. Mm -hmm. And your, your siblings, some of you would laugh and enjoy the thrill and and others like yourself would prefer to run back up to the beach and cozy up to your mom which was a source yeah. of safety yeah and i have to say as i was listening it occurred to me that i was having that experience when listening to your voice coming into my mind i mean one of the things about podcasts it's so intimate there's yeah you yeah. have these voices in headphones that are right in your ear yeah that's true I felt like I was going on this journey that was going to have these these dark secrets and, and these really moving and emotional passages, but I also felt like I was in good hands, that I was I was going mm. to be safe with you as my guide. So I don't know. No. <laughs> I, I hope That's you're that really as a lovely. Yeah, it felt, <laughs> it felt very maternal. I know, uh, I guess that uh-huh. was the parent of the year that was kicking in at that point. But... Uh, <laughs> No, that's lovely, Jack. That's really nice. Okay. Well, the podcast is called Winnetka, and the podcaster is Jessica Harper, and I am urging my listeners to go and seek it out, subscribe to it, download all the episodes, and enjoy the listening experience. Jessica Harper, thank you so much for joining me today on the History of Literature. Oh, Jack, thank you so much for having me. It was great to talk to you. I wanted to thank you for one thing, Okay. which is, for many things, but for one thing in particular, which is for, in one of your episodes giving me permission not to read Don Quixote. (laughs) (laughs) I've been avoiding it for decades, and now I'm just going to throw it out. (laughs) Oh, that's good, because that was hugely controversial. That's uh, that set off a firestorm. I I bet it did, yeah. Just the other day. And you know what I feel bad about is I get emails from people from Spain, and they'll say, could you please just give it another try? It's so important for us. And and someone confided to me the other day, um, you know, in Spain, we really only read the first two parts. We don't read the whole thing. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That's the secret, maybe. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm glad I could lighten your load a little bit. There's plenty of other good things to read and plenty of uh, podcasts like Winnetka to listen to. So, Yes, separate the wheat from the chaff. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Now we'll we'll get emails from people saying, how could you call Don Quixote chaff? (laughs) I know, my God. My career is coming to an end now. So address all questions to Jessica Harper. (laughs) Okay, thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Jack.
we go. Wasn't that fantastic? My thanks to Jessica Harper for joining us. I told you I gushed a little bit. (laughs) But if you're me, or if you're my age, if you're in my category, if you have buttons to push that are anything like mine, you'll know what it's like to have these people you admire and want to talk to and learn from. She is one of them. Go check out Winnetka. Thank me later. And while you're there in your app, in your Apple Podcasts app, your Stitcher app, your your iHeartRadio app, you can subscribe to this show if you haven't already. We've got some Langston Hughes coming up soon and Zora Neale Hurston. We have Samuel Beckett around the corner and Alfred Hitchcock and Joyce Carol Oates. And who else? Oh, yeah, a whole new way to look at Bram Stoker's Dracula. So sign up now so you don't miss any of those goodies. And tell your friends, because I'm sure your friends like goodies, too. I'm Jack Wilson. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.